0: Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Welcome back. This is episode nine now of Tools for the Toolbox. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to introduce Well, again, I'm going to let my guest introduce himself. We'll get talking. So right off the bat, who are you? And what is your military background? Okay. Well, hey Chance, thanks for having me. First of all, uh, my name is
1: Bryce Hooper. For those that don't know me, I am uh, 11 years, six month, 18 day MSC op veteran. But who's counting? But who's counting? <laughs> yeah, only us and convicts are yeah, counting time timeframes. Exactly. Um, I did three deployments overseas, uh, all with my transport family. Um, and then also some uh, domestic deployments as well, like the BC fires and the Winnipeg
0: floods, like we've all done, and uh, so on and so forth. Good times. Now, for those that don't know, what is an MSER? A
1: glorified
0: truck driver.
1: Nice. Um, between the Army and the Air Force, I had done everything from mail delivery to VIP driving to uh, driving an up-armored semi truck uh, overseas to.
0: Plowing snow in Winnipeg on the Air Force Base. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> you guys, you uh, rolled me the, the AHSPS. Yes. Yeah. Big transformer truck. Those things yeah. were awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely bulletproof. Well, wow. yeah. yeah. Well, they am designed oh, to be right. So the whole yeah. thing was that it could be blown up and the cab would just fly off. Yeah. And everybody inside would be fine. Oh okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, because even the
1: chairs were mounted to the back wall instead of the floor, yeah. so that we avoided all the. And I, I myself, never experienced any major battle damage in an age, but I did see what happened to somebody who had hit, and it blew off a little bit of the front fender and the stair going to the driver door. Right? Yeah. And, and the guy walked away like mint, right? Yeah, a smoke
0: good. and a, a smoke and a drink later, he was kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, I had. Um... The pleasure—I no, can't say the pleasure of—but uh, well, I had the pleasure of driving around in an HSBS once, and man, those are some comfy, like the air ride seats and the uh, what was it pneumatic doors and. <laughs> are yeah. they pneumatic or are they no? they hydraulic. Hydro- hydraulic, hydraulic doors. Yeah. Yeah. Seven um, hundred pound doors, man. They were yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, and it just felt very like uh, futuristic, right? You press the button, doors open. Press a button. Seat goes down. Press the button, like everything is just right here in your dashboard, right? right in front of it, 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 it,
1: you. Yeah. It? Oh, and it also helped
0: that on longer drives
1: you had access to the fridge, which was right between you and the passenger. I didn't know there was a fridge. That <laughs> yeah, that's where we kept our Red Bull and sandwiches, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> our Pop Tarts and our. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: they didn't really have a fridge. Have a oh office. yeah. <laughs> Although I it reminds me, there was a point in time we were in. Uh, I think we were down in Mackinac, and we were in, we made this ring of steel. On this one operation. Uh, I went outside for a smoke, so I jumped up on top of my lab and all the vehicles were off. We didn't bring enough fuel, so we weren't allowed to run our vehicles all the time. So the AC wasn't working and we were just boiling in the back of our <laughs> uh Or I guess it'd say baking in the back of our vehicle. <laughs> so internally just rooted. Oh so, <laughs> so I get outside, I sit down, and I'm having a smoke, and I look around this ring of steel, which the engineer lab is on. The badger is on. The Far is on okay. <laughs> and the HSPS was on, with a dude sticking out of the hatch on top of the C6. <laughs> and on the inside was four lab twenty-fives. And that was Niger attack. Right. So the guys with
1: the all the experience, all the technologies, all the access were the ones being protected on the inside. Yeah. By <laughs> basically <truckers>. four C6s
0: <laughs> <some truckers. laughs> and some uh, uh, and a bunch of engineers just sitting in a lab, like, uh, yeah, I'm so hot. <laughs> I love it. And, oh, man. But I remember looking at that HSVS with his little. Because uh, they have the, the dual opening hatch, right? That cuts in half, where you have a little bit in the front and a little most in the back. So you have like an armor piece to yeah. shoot from behind. And this guy looked like he was fucking. I don't know if he's ever been outside the wire other than just driving. Probably not. But he was sitting out <laughs> there, and it was like World War Three. <sighs> <laughs> he, had to up, he was all intense, like looking down his scope and shit. And I'm sitting there with the smoke. And I got my helmet off and a book out. <laughs> What's wrong with that dude? We were, First time he
1: pulled century, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, we were out. We were out in the bush, like I the boonies. There was uh, we had a mountain, I think maybe like 800 meters to our rear, to our north, and then the city of Mackinac or the town of Mackinac, which was a hotbed for fucking. Uh, insurgents, so the whole concept we were going to go clear out, but it just turned into a the tanks like Tango Two and uh, the Strats decided they were going to lead that mission, and oh man, it turned into a quagmire and a half. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: sounds like we should be lighting a smoke at this oh, point. Oh <laughs> yeah, really, get the helmets on at this point. It was
0: bad, but um, so MSC ops, yeah, great dudes. I mean, the only issues I ever had with them was. Whenever we have to hand a vehicle back in. Yeah. yeah. Because they're nitpicky when it comes to getting <laughs> Well, equal turn back in. Who else
1: do you think cleaned them after you guys? Well, us. Is,
0: <laughs> we would <laughs> clean them and they would be clean and we'd bring them in and they the guys at least here at Edmonton, they were a bit, uh, a. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Returning like field vehicles? Yeah, just, just like regular, parts. like city pattern rentals and stuff. And yeah. They'd be like, oh no, it's gotta be clean. We're like, we just were at the wash bay. Like, we literally were just at the wash bay <laughs> and we drove here. There is a little bit of dirt on the time, <laughs> yeah. driving on the road, and they would just be like, Nope, no, wash again. like, With
2: what? <laughs> like, what are you
0: <laughs> Where are we supposed to go and wash this? <laughs> I, re- I realized too late that that's the perfect excuse, though, for the day, right? If you have to return uh, a vehicle to MSE, you just go to the wash actually and you sit there. Hang out for most of the day. Bring it back at 3.55. Exactly. We do not care. Not you go, boys. And then you get back to the unit and they they would be like, what happened, man? What's going on? Where were you we all day? He's like, man, MSE ops. They just wouldn't return. I had to watch the vehicle like six times. <laughs> and get back and forth and back and forth. God. I had to hit the gas. Uh, <laughs> you had to fill to, up to halfway up. through. <laughs> yeah, I'm halfway through. Just like it. Yeah. Anyway, they, uh, but they're good dudes. Then you know they always drove us where we need to go, so I was quite happy not having to drive the nine hours to Suffield or three hours to Wainwright or all the. Oh videos. yeah, and we had the bus drivers for that, so thank so you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they were good. <laughs> and the cruiser guys are usually pretty good too. Yeah, and they make them long enough. Yeah, where they'll put a movie on and yep. just let you be exactly. Just, just as long in. as they can take their beret off and not and care about anything. Yep. Right? Yeah. 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 There's always those old corpoles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've been in forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mostly remusters. Yeah. There's a lot, like I myself, uh, I'm a purebred, right? I'm, I'm one of the guys that I joined right out of the bat and I, I was an MSC from yeah. the start, but I'd say 70% when I was in, like, everybody was a retread. Everybody was either a, uh, patricia remaster or like yourself a combat engineer who's done yeah. they walk into the drivers room on de like on inspection day and you could tell the remasters because everybody would have a rack of metals yeah. and then you'd have and like an actual mse walk in and you would be like oh there's your cd yeah. oh okay yeah i got <laughs> it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you've seen the world yeah, <laughs> yeah the, uh, the uh, so what do you do now now that you're done with mse what are you doing well transition um, in 2013, uh, and then I found myself just basically taking care of myself and trying to sort out, um, what I now know is men- mental health and, uh, dealing with, um, addiction issues and all of that kind of stuff until, until I went to uh, a course in 2014 called Cant Praxis, mm-hmm. um, and it's equine based therapy. And there I was introduced um, to cannabis as medicine from another veteran, uh, more of an education sitting around a fire and kind of opened my eyes to what I used to be on medication wise and what I gave into in the system, um, which then it kind of led my journey to where I am now as an educator, brand builder, somebody who helps Several different clinic platforms uh, approach veteran patients with education and, and different material like that. You know, I think the
0: uh, the key is education. And I mean, it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is that you don't know what you don't know. And then when you do know, it's eye-opening sometimes. Yeah, exactly. really just uh, change your life. It can change pretty much everything about, you know how we go about our day with just a small piece of information. It's quite, there's
1: been so much, so much misinformation given to us, especially in the military world about, uh, about medications, about things that can be prescribed by doctors now that were once told to us that were like career enders. Yeah. If, if we were, if we were caught smoking any kind of cannabis in you're in the military pre-legalization. You were on a spin dry course. You were looking at demotion and or charges and or fines and or like you're, you're, you're just, you're fucked. (laughs) There was nothing left. It's basically a
0: career record because two guys get taken off our tour because they, they pissed hot for fun and just gone. No questions. They were off tour. And, We all of a sudden had our replacements come in, which, you know, everyone's trained for the same job. But uh, I think it was was two or three months before we left was when they got taken off. So, like, they had done the entire workout. Wow. And then, for some odd reason, decided that was a good time to do it. But, yeah, but yeah, it's a career ender. And the one guy, BR'd, after he got charged and after he got taken off to her like, there was all the fines and all that stuff they yeah. normally get, and then he'd just be he already said, no, I'm done. The other guy stayed in for a little bit, but he was just known as a pothead at that point in time. Yeah. Right? And, and then, then you're just one you're call full. and then done. No yeah. one wants to work with you. No one wants to be around you. You can't be trusted. You can't be you trusted. Run. Exactly. So it, there's all that uh, the stigma, uh, the BS around it. But it, you're right. Prior to being legalized, it was a absolute, you're fucked. Game changer. Yeah, yeah. Game-changing.
1: Yeah, there was no ifs ands or buts. Yeah. Whereas now, I think with well, the education piece is the biggest one. We have to get past that hurdle that the government kind of uh, used propaganda for the last hundred and ten years. I mean, um, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They used okay. Well, they used, they use well, newspapers and media to publicly say that cannabis was the devil and cannabis was actually killing people and cannabis. And this is like published news articles from 1910 onward.
0: The worst part is, is everybody
1: thinks that the states were the actual first ones to do it. In fact, it was Canadian politics that influenced Harry Aslinger and his other that makes sense. messengers of hell. Yeah. It, was a, it, was a, it was several Canadians that went down and paid them to start it all too. That doesn't surprise me actually. Yeah, it was it was kind of a debacle in Canada where between um, the formation of the federal RCMP because before they were the Northwest and right, they had divisions throughout. uh, 1921 allowed them to have a federal mandate across all provinces, and it also allowed them to become well, at the time they were known as the Gestapo that would go and do anything that. Uh, the government at the time wanted, including that was immigrant control, that was force uses. I mean, with topics coming up as of late, including what they've been doing with the aboriginals and everything else in our history, it's it's kind of known now how, what they were
0: used for as a full force of enforcement. Well, I mean, that's, that's what they were designed for. Yeah. Right? Like, the, yeah. they were meant to go there and make the West livable yeah, for it's civilized people I think For the English yeah oh yeah and let's make
1: sure that those air quotes were seen too yeah right? exactly. it's one of those things where yeah it, it, they were used as a national force to basically make the West a exactly a livable a livable area
0: for those that wanted to be distinguished from the east yeah exactly yeah. so it uh, it's no like a, no surprise to me that the amount of stuff that Amount of really negative stuff that they have done as an organization. Now, that doesn't change the fact they've also done some really good stuff as an organization. Yeah. Do, so, like, exactly. you got to see yeah. both sides of it. But yeah. this is where I get fixated because today's culture and today's politics, everyone wants to espouse the the negativity of any organization. Be like, these people yeah. are horrible. And you, you're right. Like horrible things that happened right now. No question, yeah. no you can't no deny uh,
1: But they've also done a lot of good. Yeah. And I mean, I have to point out, my dad was RCMP for almost 25 years, right? right. So as as a, as a cop's kid growing up, I've also seen the other side of things where uh, your typical blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white boy living in uh, three different Aboriginal uh, reserves mm-hmm. Um, living on like Vancouver Island, going to school there, there was also all of those aspects of my dad being one of the only cops in the area. So, um, you know, we also did see a lot of the good that came with, but there was also, yeah, a lot of the bad, too. So,
0: yeah, and I think that's pretty much in every organization, right? You could say that about especially the, the army. You know, we all have yeah. great pride in what we've done as a military, but. We have also done depreciation.
1: You exist for more than 10 years in existence. You, you go on things where, like, the RCMP are almost 100 years now. Yeah. How long has the military
0: been around? Oh, man. I know the engineers were founded in 1903. Yeah. Oh. So uh, look at that. And how many how many good guys is there? Hmm. Yeah, there's probably a handful of All bad right. guys that you can think
1: <laughs> about, too, right off the bat, though, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's even in the cannabis industry. There's yeah. a lot of. A lot of amazing people. Yeah. And there's also a lot of, and I hate to use the word, but scumbags
0: who are out for their own good and who are after the financial gain. That's in every organization, though. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Jocko and his podcast. And a few times he's talked about, you know, the SEAL platoons and how the, it's a, basically a bell curve, right? You have some really fantastic performers. These are like the, the awesome, wicked dudes, right? And then you have a majority of, pretty good people on a spectrum. (laughs) And then there are some people that just shouldn't be there and you're,
1: you know, they, they just shouldn't be there, but they are. But they're useful for the environment that they're in. And they're probably good at one or two things and they have tools in their toolbox. Uh, Right. And they are either used a, B or C. Right. But they've also, they, they can't be let alone. Yeah. It's no different than any other organization. That's the worst part. You
0: know, I'm, I'm a big, I've been a student of leadership for the last little while. I made some serious mistakes while I was in, in leadership positions. And thankfully, I learned from them and I'm able to move forward. But um, that is a leadership aspect because, you know, some people have deficiencies. And actually, last podcast I just did, uh, Arthur and I talked about it too, was that a good leader will see someone and say, you know, that guy maybe not maybe not that smart, but he is awesome on the six. Yeah. You know, he's a little small, but maybe we can get him in the gym and build up some muscle and then he can carry the six. He'll be be awesome. Like, that'll be the perfect tool for what I need when I need it. Totally, yeah. Um, Like in, uh, what was that movie? Uh, Apocalypse Now. No, not Apocalypse Now. Uh, Full Metal Jacket. Okay. Um, Animal Mother. When they were were walking around, I think when Joker and Animal Mother first got introduced, he was like, they were getting into a, a bit of a scuffle. They were about to start throwing hands, and the other guy was like, he may not be the most sociable person and you wouldn't want to bring him to your back home to your mother, but in a firefight, he's the guy. You want, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? And he's carrying the 60 with all the ammo and stuff. And it was just like, you know, a good leader will be able to tell that, right? He, let's not put him in front of the, the cameras. <laughs> yeah, he's got a face for radio, right? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, in a fight, these are the guys you want and, um, yeah. Like I said, I think it's a leadership thing to find that bell curve, be able to see it, yeah, and then utilize those people. A hundred percent. And uh, unfortunately, when you have a new industry like the cannabis industry, you don't have any. I can't say you don't have any, but you don't see as often the uh, in the development power players kind of step up and be like, "We're going to take the lead here." Yeah. And there,
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of power takers. Yes. That because it being a brand new industry in the medical field, there's a lot of people who are already in the medical field or uh, are first in the pharmaceutical world. And because cannabis is a medicine, there's a lot of people that are taking advantage of that brand new system. Um, There's a lot of people, uh, you know what, it's been perfect example. There's an LP that is in Alberta, Um, I'm not going to name them because I do have several friends in the organization, Um, but it's showing exactly fiscally where they are now and where the organization is sitting that the right leadership at the top definitely did not steer them in the right direction, right? Mm. Where they, he had, um, experience in other fields, but it wasn't focused in the cannabis industry as to where it should have been. It wasn't patient driven It wasn't advocate driven. It was where they were looking at hostily taking over the entire industry so that way they could be one of the only big ones. Right. Unfortunately it's proven to the point where now that CEO is no longer with the organization. Um, Fiscally they are doing horrendous and you know they're finally turning to the point where they are engaging with patient reps and people to want to engage with their their clientele now because leadership just basically
0: stepped away from it and organized on the top part of things. Yeah, that's that's a very negative outlook, on it, especially when you talk about leadership because they're not thinking about what's happening on the ground. Yeah, and that you know, as the saying, I don't know. Every military I've ever come across, the uh, <clears throat> the, the call on the field stance, right. Like that guy is there. You should be listening to him. <laughs> and there, how many times? How many scenarios throughout major battles where generals would get information from the front? Here you go. Blah blah blah. This is happening. He's like, whatever. <laughs> and then they lose because that was the key thing that he <laughs> needed to listen to in order. To, like,
1: there is that uh, pivot point. Yeah. yeah. Or on
0: the on the opposite side too, where somebody has just. You know, a call, a young lieutenant or a captain has made a call and said, This is what's gonna happen, let's go and you know, the generals are like, fuck, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Did why do it? didn't that happen earlier? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Totally. And then that changes an entire battle around a little bit and the positive side of it. So yeah, the uh listening to the guys on the ground, man, that's
1: <laughs> That should have been the focus yep. when the pharmaceutical industry has struggled for the last hundred years on the side effects and not healing it's a cycle of take this okay now you've got these side effects take this this will help you take these this will help you you can't sleep now okay well this will help you where cannabis was more of the it's it's brought around like a whole a holistic healing yeah where everybody's getting away from the large pharmaceutical stuff step away from all of their pills of any kinds and they're actually going into they want to be able to use one medicine for all of their
0: ailments instead of 30 medicines for the one ailment that might be bothering them yep yeah i've uh actually i was a, i was in that methodology actually at one point the um with all of my injuries and all the pain and all the stuff that i the, the chronic pain that i have i'm also a big dude and so i need more pharmaceutical in order to do anything that most people have. So, you know, the doctors were prescribing me T 4s and I was like, these aren't working. Like I'm still in pain. Yeah, and I'm fucking constipated, and I my, my stomach hurts when I take them now because and my because it was my brains are fuzzy. and yeah. I can't make things happen anyway. exactly. And so they're like, okay, well the next step up is Percocet. And I was just like, no,
1: yeah. <laughs> and, No. See, and that's, I I went through the same cycle, man. I put some serious damage on my body within the first three months of me being in the military. Um, I was a quadriplegic from my chin down. Um, I had a roommate on my threes who, we were both drunk and we were wrestling and he had me in a headlock and he tripped over the back of a chair but didn't let go. And so my neck and my back basically everything snapped, but nothing broke. Ah. So all of my muscles and my nerves pulled away from everything. And then I would, I just, I was, no, there was nothing. Yeah. Right. Um, so I spent almost 10 days in the neurological, neurological center in Toronto. Um, I, I also met my doppelganger, awesome dude with an Australian accent. No beard though. He had no yeah. facial hair. So he was like a doppelganger of me at the time, right? Yeah. Baby face the whole nine yards and he walked in um, and it was like day three or four and he made a joke and he pulled his pen out and he actually flicked the bottom of my foot. We weren't expecting anything because I had CAT scans and shit or the CT scans and stuff the day before and there was a full separation at my neck, right? Yeah. So I was, they had called my parents, they had told them that they were going to be releasing me from the military, etc. He flicked my foot with his pen, my whole leg jumped. Something happened, turned back on. Four days later, that Friday, I was drinking at the Oak Club in Borden again, back on course. Um, So with all of that kind of battle damage before my threes were done, uh, I was on that same, like I got to one service battalion and you know, the the whole, when your chain of command says, hi, I'm Sergeant so-and-so. My rule is don't touch my Percocets, and if you have any Percocets, I need some. Yeah. I was already the guy who had Percocets, and I was I was fresh in battalion, oh, yeah. right? So on top of that, uh, I've broken both my ankles playing base baseball in Winnipeg. Uh, being a truck driver, you have a lot of back damage from sitting on a sponge, basically, yeah. right? And so I was the same way, man. T3s, T4s, Percocets, you name it. Um, and then on top of that, I didn't take care of, I didn't know what mental health was. There was no, like, yes, there was briefings, but like everybody else, it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I want to go on tour. Yeah, yeah. Sum yeah. up. Like, yeah. <laughs> just shh. Yeah. I was also the guy that cut both of my casts off off my legs so I could go on tour. Right? So all of those pills were downrange. Every every tour that I went on, I had 6 months worth of painkillers, pain relief, antidepressants, you name it. Um, and then fast forward into 2008, I wasn't even supposed to go to Afghanistan. Yeah. My now ex-wife, uh, we were posted we were both posted in Winnipeg and Uh, She was on exercise, actually, in Wainwright, because she was supposed to go with 17 MSS, which was like the Air Force version of an all-in-one, like a camp barrage, but the whole base was ready to go. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, And being a clerk, she was build-up training and all that, and I was actually getting a tattoo. (laughs) And uh, the guy that was on build-up training, doing all of this stuff in Petawawa, actually dislocated and busted his hip. Weekend accident too, right? So it wasn't even training accident. Yeah. Should just happened. Yeah. Um, so by that Thursday, I was in Trenton and on my way to Afghanistan. Yeah. No build-up training, no nothing, right? And it was me the same thing, like cutting casts off, like I'm yeah, I'm good to go, don't worry about it. Yeah. Same thing. Bottles and bottles of percocets and T threes, T fours, antidepressants because of my mood was off, but the docs were just like, here take this but then I couldn't sleep yep. and then I was numb because of all the pain stuff. So then it was this and it was a mood stabilizer and it was that Oof, and all of that just led to, well, after my tour, I was came back in February, March yep. of Oh nine. And by November of that same year, I was in a psych ward yeah. just because everything was, nothing was
0: cohesive with my body anymore. Between well, everything. not only that, n- none of what you're taking, is solving anything? No, it was masking and it, just covering it up. It's covering it up so, and burying it. You, yep, just take it and go, take it and go. And I, you know the the mentality from the military is so painful for that because every course I've ever been on, you know, you're like, oh, you know, my knees are just killing me, and they're like, well,
2: <clears throat>
0: Motrin, socks, yeah, good to go, man. Yeah. Did you, you know? put baby powder on your feet? Yeah, exactly. yeah you're good. Yeah, you're fine. Keep, keep walking, And, Like by the time I was an instructor. <clears throat> My knees were, are destroyed. Like, I have tears in all of my ligaments. Uh, my shoulders are toast. <laughs> tears in uh, labral ligaments. So I got a herniated disc in my back. I gotta, uh, all these great, awesome things that I would then go run with the troops, or we'd do push ups, or we'd do whatever. Yeah. And I was on same thing, like T4s. I'd be taking two or three first thing in the morning. Just,
2: just to get going. Just to move. Yeah. <laughs> and then.
0: You know, you bear through most of the day unless you did something bad, and you'd, you know, you take some more at that point, but kind of bear through the day and then take some more at the end of the day. Or, uh, or we just drink a shit ton, right? And then and that was you an accepted progress, anyway, right? Yeah. yeah, that's that's the way it was. You know, at the end of the day, you just okay, well, let's go to the ranks and oh, you
1: know, see, even right? even in my chain of command in Winnipeg, even and this is going right back to like 2002, 2003, 2004, it was accepted to go to bleachers or to the ranks at lunchtime and have a pitcher yeah. with a salad and a, and a sandwich. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me no. at all. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's also, uh, I'm pretty sure that's how I got my ILTIS qualification was <laughs> after two pitchers at bleachers, I was told if I could drive the stick back to the battalion, they'll give me a, they'll give me that qualification. Sweet. And that was just like, that was an okay, like they threw me the Allen key and said, get in kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, well, it's a master corporal and a corporal. Like, I'm not going to say no.
0: No. They know. Yeah. Uh, How how am I supposed to know any different, right? uh, Oh, man. Okay. So now we've been chatting for a while. (laughs) Let's push forward a little bit. Um, You've been out since 2013? Yes. Okay. Um, How was that transition? I was a statistic.
1: Yeah, I was that guy um, because of everything that I had let go. My mental health was gone. I had no physical control on my pain. Um, I lost my now ex-wife, care and control of my kids because of both my mental health and my addiction issues. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of stuff that wasn't taken care of at my release like when they say that they're going to walk you through and they give you a, a package of stuff yeah. to do. Um, and they say to do it at home. I actually never did it. And I'm probably sure there's hundreds if not thousands of guys that did it as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which then led to me getting, I mean, in trouble with CRA cause taxes weren't done. Yeah. Um, leading to, there was no benefits filed properly. I wasn't, uh, signed up properly with SIS of Manulife. Um, I even didn't have coverage for certain things up until this year. I didn't know I was supposed to have. Like I was that guy, man. I, my file got lost. Uh, even going through rehab, uh, through VA, that kind of jazz. Um, I was given issues where they wouldn't fund even though they sent me to the program, Yeah. 80 days into it, they sent me a bill, (laughs) right? So uh, Sunshine Coast Health Center isn't cheap. Yeah. And when all of a sudden you get a bill for eighty five thousand dollars, and your mental health is fragile as it is, yeah, what are you gonna do? It just made it even worse. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I was your atypical stat. Uh, I ended up living out of my truck for a bit. Um, <laughs> I got involved. Uh, Vets Canada helped me. They got me off the streets. Uh, they got me into an apartment. Um, got myself cleaned up. The Poppy Fund. Downtown Edmonton was able to line up most of my benefits, get me sorted out to an extent.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. I can't remember where we were talking about.
0: It's transition. So yeah. From, so from all of that. Yeah. Um. Which is, I mean, that's probably a horrible experience. The one thing I asked everybody on here was, if you had one piece of advice. The. the Big one, I know. It's hard to actually narrow it down the yeah, one today, But one piece of advice for anybody else making a transition, or to you yourself,
1: ten years ago, to, oh man, that's easy. Actually, very easy because now I know exactly what you need. Everybody thinks that when you get out, you can do it by yourself. While you were in, you had to have a fucking team to do it. You have to have a fucking team behind you. Yeah, a handler someone who is going to look after administration because guys we've never done administration in the military. We were babied mm-hmm. when it comes to, we had clerks send stuff to our chain of command and they made sure shit happened. Yeah. We need a full team of handlers. And that if, if, if you don't have a spouse or you're going through a divorce, like most of us did as transition happens, try and have somebody on your team who can take notes. Because your brain, even though you think you're clear right now, you may not be at all clear yeah. six months from now kind of thing. And if you don't have those, somebody taking notes or stuff writing down or a proper hobby in place or something to keep your hands busy. Yeah. Now I know I'm supposed to lump all of that into one, but basically have a good team behind that, that, That's probably the most...
0: Thing I've heard from pretty much every vet I know is you know, uh, rely on the people around you. Make yeah. sure you know, talk to the guys that have been through it before. Yes, ask a lot of questions. You know, these are all the basically yeah. the same thing, Right stuff make sure down. Have, <laughs> make sure you have backup, like, yeah, the key. Yeah. Um, and Cause I mean, you, were, you were
1: never alone, alone. in service, no. so why think you can do it by yourself when you're out. because the, there's so many more
0: stresses when you're out. Yeah, everyone, you know, I think I can't say everyone, but. Most people I know that are in the military, they look down at civilian life quite regularly, and I uh, I just had this conversation with like three people in the last four days, which is actually quite that's quite funny. Um, but we were absolutely babies throughout the military, unless you were forced to learn how to do admin. Yeah, you never did it. Yeah, and uh, I personally said this on the last podcast too, that I was, got lucky because I got made a true clerk, right? As soon as I got back from tour, I became Ah, a true clerk. Okay. So I started picking up the admin, and I started picking it up at a higher level, and then I got put into the incel, and then I was at a regimental level, and I was doing all the intelligence work for the my regiment. Yeah. Across the yeah. So I got to see all of the upper echelon doing all of that. And nice. yeah, exactly. yeah. And you know, I saw the, I saw the board and it finally made sense to me one day, the, uh, the calendar, the big whiteboard calendar that's up in option training and it's in every option training yeah. the board. Oh, yeah. and it's got those big bands of this X and this thing and this tasking and this blah, 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 blah. And for years as a as a sapper, you always hear, Oh yeah, no, we're so busy. We don't have time for that training. We, we can't do that training cause we're so busy and yet you're sitting in the Bay at the hour like what the fuck am I doing here like, <laughs> yeah. I've been sitting here for fucking three hours and nothing to do. Um, but in Austin training they are busy and you can see on the map like the amount of admin the paperwork and these guys go to this guy and this guy is easy. we want to do a joint training with the Pickleys they're next door great well that means that my ops training guys have to cord with their ops training guys. They need to find an open time for both of us to actually link up on the same day in the same place, which means that we need to talk to the range guys to make sure that range is open oh, on yeah. that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, yeah. the amount of logistics is insane. Yeah. And then you add logistics to it. And then you add <laughs> the logistics, right? Yeah. yeah. The gas, the vehicles, all these other <laughs> things, right? Um, but nobody as a sapper knows anything about that. Yeah.
1: let get on you, the bus and wait. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hang
0: out. Chill out. We'll get there when we get there. Figure it out when you get there. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of guys get out. Privates. Corporals. Sometimes vast corporals. You know, the people that stay in 20, 30 years, and they're sergeants and warrants and uh, sergeant majors. and uh, They have a grasp on admin because they've been doing it for years yeah. as a warrant, as a sergeant, as whatever. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, whereas most people get out as a mass corporal, the only thing admin they've ever done, PRs, yeah. Maybe. PRs, yeah. PDRs. Usually yeah. PDRs, which is given to you, right? <laughs> Here, fill these out. Yeah. You, you got 12 kinda, of them. You just kind of like, uh, sure, yeah, figure it out. Yeah. Um, and it's a copy and paste format. <laughs> so, you, know, <laughs> you know, these words have to be said at some point in these particular sentences. And you're like, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got this, no problem. Um, but then you get out and you realize, like, nobody's told you that you need to find a doctor. Nobody's told you that you need to find, uh, an, you know, get your accountant or taxes or something in yeah. order. Nobody tells you about having to deal with um, rent, utilities, cable, blah, blah, Like, these are things that you've heard of, yeah. right? Most people, when they get in the military, they're usually pretty young, 17, 18. Uh, I got in when I was 23, so I had a little bit more experience, but even then... I was 23, <laughs> <As a laughs> yeah. young guy. I didn't really know much. Yeah. Um. So you've had your parents pay for most of your shit most of your life. You Join the army, and the army pays for most of your shit for most of your life. <laughs> and organize and it organizes and organizes it yeah. for you, and it, all they do is give you paperwork, and you're like, "Here, sign this." You're like, "No problem." Shh, 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 <laughs> <get it done." laughs> yeah. Uh, and we look at it as, right? We always look at it as um, it's a, word it's an expected thing. It's an expected thing, but it's also, it's more of an annoyance, right? When you get called down to the OR because you need to sign some shit, you're like, oh, man, this is taking
1: 20 minutes out of day. Why am I day. standing
0: here doing, and literally you were doing nothing in another room. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, now you're pissed off because you have to sign something uh, that you don't really know about, right? Anyway, so I can understand getting out and having zero knowledge, zero expe- expectations to have to do this, and absolutely no experience it. So it's a, uh, that's a big, that's a huge hurdle for a lot of guys. Oh. I don't understand why, you know, the one piece of advice you give people is have a team because yeah, man, it would make everything yeah. so much
1: easier. And if you can't gather a team, grab a person. Yep. Just, yep. Do, just
0: try and depend on that one person. Yeah. Um, major Mark Campbell and I were chatting on episode three and his piece of advice was ask a lot, of, ask questions until people are sick of answering questions. That's a good one too. Yeah. It, same idea, though, right? You get as much information as you can stand, yeah, and then ask for more, yeah, <laughs> because that <laughs> and write it all down, down. and then write it all. <laughs> all <laughs> <down>. <laughs> yeah. That's the key. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into what I want to talk about today, which was alternative therapies in general. So we're going to talk a lot of different things, but okay. I want to talk. I want to ask you what your mindset is or was prior to some of your treatments about what it is you're going into and then afterwards. So like you said, you took um, an equine program through camp practices who are great dudes and yeah, they do really great work. I'm a huge fan of equine therapy, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why I wanted to start on this one. But, oh yeah, for sure. Um, what were your initial thoughts on it when someone said, hey man, you want to come work with some horses to help your mind? Versus afterwards. I
1: actually, yeah, when I, when I was told about Camp Braxis, it was, um, I was already at the end of, uh, my first marriage Mm -hmm. and it was like a learn how to talk to your wife or spouse or team partner kind of thing, right? Going back to having that team on your, on your side. Yeah. They focus on communication, right? Yeah, Yeah. They bring, they bring a spouse or a significant other and you to a level playing field, mm-hmm. explaining both the mental health, OSI, and making the troop or the veteran realize, or the first responder or the frontline worker, that even though their trauma is significant, that their spouse is not less significant. Yes. Because when you're on a team, you have to be of equal playing field no matter what, and. One can't be more than the other one, because then that has a favoritism
0: on who's doing everything, right? Yep. Just yeah. It was. I've uh, I've stated this a few times throughout my advocacy. I I talked to a lot of different people about you know what their what their jobs were. um, You know, they they don't feel like they they matter much, whatever they did. A lot of it has to do with the way Hollywood and you know the way we view war. Yeah. Military as a whole, right? You look at the infantry and it's like if you were oh. if you weren't one of these guys, yeah. right? You yeah. weren't really a part of it. Yeah. And not to put them down in any way, like they have a job, right? Somebody has to be close the close with and destroy the enemy. Period, right? That is their job. Awesome. Yeah. I was a sapper, right? Live, move, and fight on the battlefield. Let's do it. Yeah. You drove a truck. That, you know, that's a hugely important job because if we don't have the supplies to do what we need to do, we yeah. can't fucking do it. Can't push forward, can't, can't do anything, move. right? Supply guy is very important. You know, you have to have bullets, you have to have food, you need water. Yeah. You know? like, oh, these yeah. are, like, hugely important jobs. And there's this sense of, like, you yeah. know, everybody has pride in their own unit and what they're... Pride of their trade or whatever they do, right? But um, you can't do anything without other people around, and mm-hmm. that's the team part, and that's the team part, right? And especially when we we get out of the military again, a lot of guys have that bravado and the, the "you know I was fucking whatever." Yeah, nobody fucking cares anymore. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Pull your socks up, princess. Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't doesn't matter. You have one job now, and that is to live the rest of your life. Yeah, so how are you going to make that happen? To learn mm-hmm. to you exactly, and being an infantry or being an engineer or being a truck driver or being special forces or being fucking, um, you know, an AVN tech or an AV, like whatever, yeah. you can take those skills and move them forward, oh, but yeah. you cannot live that life forward because it's <laughs> over. Right? It's, that's the
1: injury, the injury thus created either physical or mental and you can no longer be part of that team. You now have to create your own team and you have to move forward with that team. And there's no point in living in that shadow because that shadow is just a chapter of who you are. And if you dwell on just that chapter, you're now not allowing yourself to move and write your next chapter in life too. Yeah, absolutely. The um, the,
0: the really tricky part, I think, especially with alternative therapies as well, like is that step, right? The, the step into the unknown? Yes. Because like for me, when I got introduced to equine therapy, I grew up on a ranch, like horses. Uh, someone's like, "Oh, you should go talk to horses." I was like, Pfft. "I should go talk to horses." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, like, no I like, Why wouldn't I be doing that? Yeah. Um, and the 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 connection is so crisp, especially for soldiers too. Um, and I say soldiers, uh, Afghanistan, especially. Uh, I would say even really. Uh, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Vietnam, even Korea as well. There's a certain mindset for the soldiers there, and that is that they're prey. And we don't like to admit that we're prey, because when we go on the offensive, right, we go on the offensive strong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And it's true you go out on the offensive. But the moment that offensive stops, which they all do, Mm -hmm. you are now prey. Because the insurgent or the uh, the enemy. Now, I, I don't say in World War II as much because there was less of an insurgency. It was very force-on-force, force, right? Front line. You got right. big lines and that stuff. But, yeah. you know, the beginning of Korea where it was just fucking people were everywhere. Yeah. You don't really know where the enemy is. Yeah. That's a mindset that we're in. And horses maintain that mindset all the time. Yeah. They are prey animals. They are constantly, you know, the statements that I make for people are like, tell me if this sounds familiar from Afghanistan. cast is this road safe those guys don't look very good maybe I shouldn't go here and where I'm sitting okay to eat are you know is this place good for the rest of my herd yeah like these yeah. are the basic questions yeah. that we ask regularly yeah should I kick that yeah <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't look right that, why is it's that shiny yeah. exactly and so you get into a mind of being prey where everything is a threat yeah I mean, you work with horses that's how they live 100%. So it's such a a crisp connection to be made for equine therapy that again I'm a huge part of it's so a little biased but <laughs> no they <laughs> also
1: horses will also check your
0: ego yes
1: and they because like they are a prey animal like you say if you go up to them in a flurry on the inside and your anxiety or your anger or something is just going mock chicken. And you try to attack or attack towards them, attach them, and have that physical meaning with them. They're gonna fuck off. Yeah. They don't want nothing to do with your mm-hmm. crazy shit. Yeah, fuck you. Bye. Yeah. If you calm yourself, take your shoes off, and ground yourself, and maybe empty that sadness, anger, angst, whatever it is on the inside of you, and you actually take a couple deep breaths and allow that feeling to actually go away and mellow out. You'll notice that those horses will actually come back towards you because now they're like, "Oh, you're doing okay, dude. Yeah. Oh wow, you really fucking calmed down. Yeah. Maybe you could touch my belly now." Like, <laughs> uh, exactly. And the, on top of that, just
0: the recognition, like, of yourself to be able to go, "Oh man, i like, I must be in a state of chaos right now." Yeah. To so watch that horse, like, as you walk up to it, and it fucks <laughs> off. Like, it's just like, like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Something like, and to be able to recognize, oh. I've done something wrong. Yeah, and you're right. It, like it checks that you go instantaneously in and it.
1: Uh, it's I almost like it a
0: spouse is... or a partner, if if you can take it well enough, right? Spouses, yeah. partners. I just had this conversation. You know, there are times where you're going to clash, yeah. and you have to be able to step and out recognize of it and it. recognize. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Their point is valid, regardless of what it is. Same level, same plan. fact. You're on the same plane. field, and they. Their, their concept is valid, and it's based off of their experience and their life and their whole, that they They're are an uh, right. equal being themselves, yeah. yeah, 100%. And you can't say, oh, well, you know, I, I have more experience in this, so I know better. Yeah. So what? They might have a good point. Yeah, and they've experienced life in a completely different manner. Yeah, exactly. So, um, again, another reason why I did this podcast, right <laughs> everybody has their points, everybody has their ideas, Their things that are effective for them that aren't effective for others. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyway, um, so, what like what was your initial impression when you went into it? And you're all like, Ugh, horses. You think were you in that like a uh, oh this is gonna help me right now or is it like a phase one of can praxis opened up my
1: eyes to how big the playing field actually was. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't aware that everybody themselves struggles. And I was in that mental state where I thought I was the only one struggling with this and there's nobody else that could possibly understand what I'm going through. And when I got there and realized that, A, it's a common thing that actually everyone releases from the military is going to go through with it in some manner or another, either it be loss of the uniform or loss of the ego or loss of your regiment or loss of you know, yeah. service or whatever it could be and all the people and all that, yeah, yeah. Anxiety, sleep issues, depression, it doesn't matter. I mean, all of this can be added up into one. And when that was explained to me that it was such a level playing field and then it was explained to me on a larger scale of things yeah. where I could actually control my body and I actually could control what was going on on the inside and not just control the outside of me where it's left, right, left, right, left, right, right, Squad one, squad two. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. (laughs) That's it. Left this way. We're going to go right that way. Whereas all of a sudden I could actually like, I think one of the biggest things was when the mental health team on Cam Praxis sits down either the troops or the spouses or whoever kind of goes to the course separately and explains what mental health is, what an OSI is, it's actually updating the gray matter to the point where you you understand it and not just from a, a victim, yeah. and I'm big air quotes there, where you're the person who's sick. You actually see it from a psychological standpoint, from a doctor standpoint, where it's, it's explained in a science, technical manner, but as a person, you can absorb all of that and you can of two things carry on and do nothing, or adapt and change. Yep. And in the military, we've always been taught adapt and overcome. Adapt and overcome, right? Yep. So you're gonna take that information, you're gonna relay it to your body, you're gonna translate it to how you can properly do it, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, camp praxis then takes both you and your partner or your significant other and introduces that prey animal. And different exercises where then you can control the inside flurry, the outside flurry, pressure and control, like everything where as a partner or as a, or as somebody who's in a relationship and it doesn't matter what side of the relationship you're in, you have to realize that other, that other person may actually also be going through the exact same shit, Mm -hmm. but they're not vocalizing it because they're realizing that you are struggling just as much. And that's where Ken Praxis just kind of brought everything to a level playing field and introduced it to it like that. Oh, <laughs>
0: oh, it's that kind of uh... I, I a. And that was phase one. <laughs> I, I always called those aha moments. Yes. And that was my, when I was an instructor. You would see someone grasp the concept, not just what you. Yes. Mean, you can see it in their Ding, eyes. Yeah, the light like, goes on. Yes, there it is. Like, oh. <laughs> Good. <Yeah>. Move on. <laughs> yeah. Now we can keep moving. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, it, it's I think such a huge uh, part of transitioning out of the military too is you have to have that aha moment. You have to have that moment that says, "I can move on." Yeah.
1: And it is it's allowing you to, like, the the analogy that I love to use is not everybody likes to read, but everybody knows how to turn a fucking page, right? Yeah. Well, right now, you are on the last page of your military career. You and I, I mean, yeah. we're all at this, facial hair, and all that other jazz. <laughs> Somebody who may be listening to this may be on that cusp of maybe thinking about turning the page to the release portion of things, or... It's allowing you to take that first initial step that they say is the hardest one in the mental health world and then realizing that it's actually not bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just another step in another story of your life.
0: Yep. It's yeah. not the end of the world. It, it is very difficult to get people out of that too because yeah. naturally we want to be comfortable. right? Yeah. Like we, we seek out comfort. And if that comfort comes in a very uncomfortable package, like the military, <laughs> then which, I mean, it is. I mean, if you yeah. live a military lifestyle, it can be pleasant. It can be unpleasant. Yeah. And, but it is not, it is full of sacrifice. Like, that entire. You're not going
1: to get rich. No. You're not, there's very
0: little glory in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you I mean, even if you spend 30 years and you get a good pension and you come out and you can live comfortably afterwards. That 30 years is still not going to be a very comfortable You season. probably won't be home for 29 and a half of Yeah, them. exactly. <laughs> you yeah. be gone for a lot of that. Yeah. Um, But people will still seek that. Yeah. And the major difficulty, and one of the things that I learned very early when I was learning, like I said, I grew up on ranch, so like survival was pretty standard teachings. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I always took to heart was in order to survive in the wild, You want to maintain a state of general uncomfortableness, yeah, and just so you you don't want to get warm enough where you're comfortable. You don't want to get um, cold enough where you're uncomfortable, like where you're like really cold. You want to be just kind of like, "Ah, man, you know, I wish I had one more layer, kind of thing. Like you just you're not quite there. Almost
1: feels like a just being in the military, just uncomfortable, just uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) But I also learned that from jiu-jitsu is that, uh, and doing martial arts in general is that in order to learn, in order to 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 better yourself or build upon what you know, you have to put yourself in a position that you don't want to be in, yeah. and then figure out how to get past that. Hundred percent. And especially jujitsu and grappling as a whole, is, you know, if you <laughs> if you want to get better at jujitsu, the best thing you can do is talk to your partner and be like, okay, I'm going to sit in a very bad position for me. You go ahead. Yeah. Right? And then I'm gonna try and get out. That's experience. And then just right? work yeah. it out, work it out, work it out, right? Yeah. And that makes you better because you, you're preparing yourself, same thing we did in the military of stress inoculation, right? Yes. You start off in pairs, then you do section live, then you do platoon, and then you do company, and then you go into yeah. the larger ones, the regiments, the battle groups, The you know, you have F-18s flying all over the yeah. place in full battle runs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those things are wicked. But you don't have to start a dude all of those. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, wouldn't that be a fucking oh. clusterfuck? <laughs> <laughs> you can't even imagine. A Here, rifle. guys, go! Yeah, a random private just, here's a rifle. Just got on basic, right? Yeah? Okay. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> into a That's downrange. Range. Into a live battle run, yeah. Don't,
1: don't run into the lab and yeah. watch out for the. <laughs> watch over the planes.
0: The tanks are going to be shooting over there. Be aware of the uh, the M72s and uh, have fun. Enjoy yourself, you know? <laughs> Don't shoot yourself, please. Don't shoot anybody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, that would be intense now that I have that image in my head.
1: I would love to see the face of a brand new, or even for that matter, somebody who doesn't know what a battle run is, to be put in one of a lead vehicle and just experience the thunder crunch.
0: you 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 can see that, actually. And if you look at any of the pictures of the troops heading to the beaches in Normandy, Almost Shit. every single one of those guys had zero battle experience and they did that specifically because they didn't want people to know what they were getting themselves into. Makes sense. And if you look at the pictures of those guys, it is intense. Like those those troops basically saw basic training, some infantry training or engineer training. Yeah. England, ships, Normandy. Yeah. And so, yeah, you can actually see that if you want to know what that's like, we have it on oh, uh, pictures
1: now that is, yeah, 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 I mean, I've seen the, like the D-Day landings, there's one that really, really affects me when I look at it and it's like, there's a, there's a, like an 18 or a, like maybe 18 year old dude and you can see like from him, like a side profile of his nose and he's looking over one of his shoulders and that's where the camera is caught yeah, but you can see in his face, like, what the fuck did you just <laughs> get <laughs> into? The fuck whole
0: yeah. yeah,
1: are you still there, dude? Because yeah, exactly. holy
0: shit! Yeah, uh, I can't even, I can't even contemplate that because no. you know I talked to my granddad. He was a, uh, he was an engineer in World War II as well. Wow. And him and I talked about when I got back from Afghanistan. I was like, you know, all of us always have so much respect for you guys because of what you did. And he was like, we have so much respect for you guys. For what you're doing, and I'm like, how does that even compare? Like, you marched across (laughs) Europe.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: You guys walked. (laughs) Yeah, we walked. (laughs) We have have vehicles, and then but you had a shirt, and ammo, and a gun, right? We had armor, and I had machine guns, and I had you know medical trauma kits all over the place, and I was teachable seeing these guys. Blah blah blah, right? And he's like, yeah, but we knew who we were fighting. And I was like, ooh, that's a good point. (laughs) And they wouldn't attack you until you got to battlefield A or B. Yeah, to a degree, yeah. Like, if, you know, if he said, if I saw somebody in gray uniform, I shot up.
1: Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Period, right? Yeah. And for us, we're like, manjamis at left, (laughs) (laughs)
1: manjamis at
0: right. Yeah. I always remember the, uh, we get these little ink reps overseas and they were like, be aware, white and yellow Toyota Corolla. (laughs) License, license plates three four squiggly mark question mark, <laughs> and, and you're like yeah right keep okay. an
1: eye out for a white toyota colorola and yeah. a red toyota pickup truck yeah exactly oh oh okay
0: 98 so we <laughs> vehicles out here i'll keep an eye out for that yeah. one thanks man great
1: yeah. But don't shoot at it, just report it.
0: Yeah, just let us know. Yeah. <laughs> White-tortle girl. white <laughs> girl. white <toward> girl. <laughs> and, and the pickup truck! <laughs> oh <laughs> my god, it's both in the Oh, man. Yeah, anyway, the, uh, the point of that was, is that the... Uh, I can't remember what we were talking about initially in that one, but... Okay, so we're just going to jump into another point okay. lost <laughs> track on that one. Fighting the stigma of ignorance. So this is a challenging thing. I don't have a whole lot of time left, but will okay. wrap up with this. You're a field in which there is still a stigma involved. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. And the cannabis industry is becoming more normalized. Yes. Which is great. Yes. Um, but, you know, other things like equine therapy is another issue where not a lot of people know about it. And when people hear about it, they're like, oh, mm, horses. Mm, well, what is that going to do for me? Uh, there's other stuff, you know, I've I've heard somebody tell me that chiropractic was uh, nonsense, uh, that acupuncture was, science, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been
1: around for 2,500 years, but yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> acupuncture was uh, garbage. I've heard people talk about cupping being negative, even massage therapy, which blows me away that somebody would say massage therapy is bad for you, but there are all Each kinds of people own. out there, right? Yep. And so how do you fight the stigma that is ignorant? Because really stigma comes from you just don't know enough.
1: Really?
0: Yeah, 100%. That's actually the basis of why I developed
1: Mr. Hooper Brand. Mm. Um, it's from fighting the stigma of mental health to fighting the stigma of men's mental health to fighting the stigma of cannabis as medicine where you you don't need to be high to medicate. You can actually medicate to a point where there is no cannabis-like effects. And actually that's where you should be sitting at throughout the day. Um, Because if you're actually feeling your medicine, you've over medicated at that point. And CBD, THC, CBDA, CBG, it doesn't matter. If you've gotten to that point where you're high, that's An over-medication yeah. and it, it can be a stimulus, even on a CBD aspect, where you've dosed too much with a CBD, and it, it is possible. Like there, not a lot of people can experience it, but it is something that can be experienced with a sensitive system, and just breaking the stigmas of it all is with basic education and information, and that what that's that is what Mister Hooper is all about is publishing studies either medical wise on mental health on what's the newest and the latest thing for trends, for medical treatments, uh, for different things. Um, just getting out of the house, for example, like mental health is a big one where you get like with COVID and everything else going on right now, you're stuck in your house and everybody's afraid of going out. Well, one of my initiatives with Mr. Hooper is my cruise nights that I've done cruise nights allows you to get out of your house. It's COVID friendly because you're in your own vehicle, motorcycle, car, truck, van, minivan. If you bring an SUV, we'll fit you in the back. It's (laughs) It it doesn't matter. Semi-truck, anything but like scooters, bicycles. We've had a couple come out, but nobody can keep up, right? Um, but it's then also,
0: you, you also
1: meet like-minded people. They may be struggling in the same manner, civilian, military. It doesn't matter. It's just getting out and kind of cruising. And then on top of that, I bring, a little bit of education and a little bit of information on mental health initiatives in the area, uh, cannabis products that may be new or um, just information that you didn't know about. Um, There's products that are coming to me and companies that are coming to me that are not, you don't have to smoke it. You don't have to use oils anymore. You don't even have to use um, the sprays that they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's initiatives where companies are coming out with uh, breath strips that are CBD and THC. Companies that are coming out with capsules, right? So it's all about that education and that information. That there's not a lot of places that are going to talk about the taboo, but that's what Mister Hooper is all about. I I put my face in front of in front of screens and in 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 awkward positions because if I don't do it, nobody else is going to. And if you want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth and it's viable, proper information that's been medical checked and not just, I saw it on Facebook, so I'm sharing it. Yeah. I. It's just one of those things where I don't see anybody else doing it, so I'd rather take the initiative and start it myself and then create that platform where, hey, you can't market in pharmaceuticals, you can't market in medicine worlds, you'd be able to market through Mr. Uber though, mm-hmm. because it's a small age-gated community 18 plus, everybody's curious about mental health. Everybody's curious about different medical procedures and or programs or, and I've even partnered with places like Military Minds, Mm -hmm. right? A full mental health awareness program. They've sent me out t-shirts and hats and you name it. And it's that kind of stuff that we either raffle off or just in the, in the
0: marketing bags at the end of the night. So Mill Minds is awesome, man. You know, um, I think that's such a key point. Again, education is so So important, and I mean, really, I think I've said it three times now. You don't know what you don't know, yeah. And until someone actually enlightens you,
1: wow, dude, it's it's leading right back to the name of your podcast. Yeah, if you don't have the proper tool for the toolbox, you cannot accomplish the proper tasks in life. And sometimes you may not even know that that tool exists until all of a sudden it's hitting you in the face. It Might just be a random cruise night with Mr. Hooper, or it might be Can Praxis program or a program like Old Boots in
0: Town. Like, yeah. all, the, all there's all sorts of things, yeah. Like it's funny actually. I, um, uh, one of the reasons why I got involved in the Walker Walk Professions as well is the uh, I had this this vision of this uh, this Paragon was going to come down from Dwyer Hill, right? JTF2 is going to come out and be like, All right, everybody, follow me. This is what's going to happen, right? And he would just like. He would leave us and that would be the way to go. And he would be unquestionable, tier one assaulter, 30 years, blah, blah, blah. Trust me. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And you just look at him and be like, yeah, all right, cool. Uh, And then you realize that dude don't exist. Oh, he's retired. He's smoking cigars (laughs) in Mexico. He's
1: tapped out. He doesn't want to walk.
0: Not only that, (laughs) at no point in anyone's career can you find some, like, could you ever find no one that would talk shit about that guy. Right? Because if somebody doesn't like you, Right, doesn't matter, yeah. you're going to find people that aren't, aren't going to agree with you, you're going to find people that don't. You're like somebody bad, bad so, guy, yeah, sure, exactly. <clears throat> so, no one is above reproach, which means that anyone could take charge. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should get involved. And then I got involved with the walk, and then I got promoted to the you know, the Edmonton, and I got promoted to the overall league, <laughs> and now like, you're the guy running <laughs> it, <and now laughs> So, it's uh, it's a, it's a tough a tough realization, at the same time, it is such a, uh, it just takes the weight of everything else off, right? The moment you realize that no one else is doing what it is that you want to do, fuck, you're the one doing it, you're doing right?
1: you're the one, it. you're the guy. That's how I got into the cannabis industry. <clears throat> I started by showing up at my local veteran clinic, yeah. changing garbages, because they'd let me. I was sweeping floors, yeah. changing garbages. By the end of that clinic stay, I was the clinic manager. Yeah. Like, if you if you stick around long enough,
0: someone's going to give you an opportunity. Yep. You just have to be there. Yeah. That, that's it, really. You just, you have to be open to it, right? right. You have to see, any the other thing is, you have to see as an opportunity. That's a big one. And you have, have to know. also be in the right state of mind yeah. and mental health
1: to be able to take that initiative into that position. Yeah. If you haven't healed properly,
0: then you're not in that state. Absolutely. You know, it all... It all I think it's all interconnected too, right? Like if you are, if you're in pain, that affects your mental health. If your mental health is uh, not in a great spot, then you are going to be, you know, emotionally and spiritually drained all the time. And I use the term psychological capital quite often. And, you know, that changes the amount of psychological capital you have to deal with all of the shit during the day. Yeah. And if you are healthy, physically feeling good, if you're, you don't have a lot of pain or it's, you know, being dealt with through CBD, which I take, uh, which is fantastic. Um, and then that leads to your, you know, you can open up your mental health a little bit, right? And then you can yeah. start spending a little bit of your psychological capital on fixing yourself rather yeah, than yeah. just on pain managing. dealing with the pain. Yeah. And then yeah. if you, you know, if you spend enough money on dealing with your mental health, it's capital, right? It builds capital. So you yeah. invest in your mental health, that gives you more capital to use 100%. on everything else change and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, totally. Uh, anyway, we're just uh, a little bit over an hour now. I really want to thank you for coming on. This is a great conversation. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. So, before we go, though, do you have any last points, anything you want to bring up that uh, burning on, mar- on your brain?
1: Remember to build your team.
0: It's not a race.
1: Take your time. You don't have to be mentally or physically strong within a 24, 48 hour, or even a year. If it takes you five years at one day at a time, clawing through, do it. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't do it, no one else in your team is going to do it for you because they're fucking doing it themselves. So I want to thank you for
0: having me Man, Awesome. great. Um, And if anybody wants to find out anything more on you, where where do they look for it?
1: I'm all over everybody's social media. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Bryce Hooper, or Mr. Hooper.
0: That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Gmo